Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I'm Craig the Writer Stewart, and this is So Much to Say. These are my thoughts in my voice on black shit, white shit, gay shit, and everything in between. Today, we are talking to my friend, activist, podcaster, writer, Ian Haddock. And I'm calling this podcast, Black Gay Men Saved My Life. He talks about prostitution having sex with one of his teachers in high school that turned out to be HIV positive, and his journey as a black gay man in general, how the black community in some instances hurt him. So do me a favor and go ahead and hit the share button. Go ahead and share this with your friends, your family, your social media. And if you're not already subscribed to So Much To Say Podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe or follow button. We're available for free in Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising with So Much To Say Podcast, shoot me an email at so much to say podcast at gmail.com. This is very personal work for me. Politics. Politics. I believe I was called to Sex. tell my story, use my voice, be a Gay voice people. for the community, to speak Black to people. and for a community of people Black that's Black. been ignored, denied, love, love, relationships. relationships, religion. This is my life's work. Religion. religion. I want to use words to. Uplift, heal, inspire, encourage. Do something different. Every Monday at 10. Before we get started, how would you say you identify? Do you identify as black first or as gay first? So I don't know. That's a hard question for me. So I think about um, my intersection. I know that people see me as black first. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I always identify as black first because... My gay, my gay folk are my saviors. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. my gay folk have been there for me when black folk can't, won't, or you know, will not in the future be there for me. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a hard time with that. I think it's probably gay first for me. I think it depends on who I'm speaking about. Um, if I'm talking about white folks, I think white folks see black first. Oh, absolutely. But then when you're talking about black folks. Mm. Well, see, well, see, we both have masculine privilege. Right. So I don't know if... It, and in some circles, some circles, it's like, oh, yeah, he gay. Yeah. But then, but then like you said, it's passable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's passable. Those that can pass as straight, the ones that can't be clocked, the ones that are unclockable, sometimes it's, it's harder for that particular kind of gay person, or even a really feminine woman mm-hmm. that's a lesbian, it's really hard sometimes for that individual to be able to come to terms with their sexuality because they don't even identify as the stereotype of what it what it means to be gay or lesbian. Right, and, and not identifying doesn't um, lessen the fact that the people that are close to you, generally, yeah. you know, your black folk, right, they yeah. can be the most damaging to your coming out experience. Right. And so when that happens, that's traumatizing. To people. Um, what was your coming out experience like? Was it traumatic? Child, I was fucking a teacher. <laughs> Wait a minute. You were, ha- you were having sex with a teacher? Boots. How, uh, how old were you? I was, um, I was a sophomore going to my junior year. So maybe like 16. So you were fucking a man? Uh, well, child, I, I, like, I like butthole and penis. Yeah. <laughs> we 
talk real greasy on here. So you were saying something about you like <laughs> I like buttholes and penis. Okay. Yeah. So um yeah I was sleeping with him all at sixteen years old and child. And how old was he? Um. So it was me and my best friend. We were sleeping with two different teachers. So one was twenty six and the other one was thirty four. Where are these teachers now? In Houston. They're still teaching. Mm mm. They got caught. Mm hmm. Oh. That's how I came out. So there you go. <laughs> That's the story. <laughs> That's how I came really? out. Really? Yeah, it was an awful experience. Um, so wait a minute. Give me the. Wait a minute. We, you, you, <laughs> take 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 us slow. We yeah. like we like it slow. Oh. Yeah, we okay. like a slow grind and burn. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> fuck us slowly. So now what? Oh. You, you ready now? I'm ready. Yeah. I, I had to bring him out. He said he was a little nervous to come on here. Yeah. So. You and this teacher, y'all fucking, y'all getting it in. Mm-hmm. And we go to a hotel over a Thanksgiving uh, weekend. I had snuck out the hotel, got my mama to sign a permission slip. True story. We in the hotel, all in the hallway, kissing, tonguing down. Now, see, the teacher was a fool. Fool. And he used the school's credit card. He was a dummy. So we were called in the week after Thanksgiving into questioning with the police officer. And um, anyway, long story short. So wait, what triggered it? Because he used the credit card at the hotel. Yes. And so they were asking him, "What what were you doing at this hotel? What were you doing at this hotel during Thanksgiving weekend?" Because <laughs> weren't, <laughs> sir, you should, sir, you should have been with your family. Right, <laughs> right. And so then they fessed up. Uh, no, 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 no. It was a long, um, it was a long investigation. What ended up happening, um, which is kind of connected to the work I do now. Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was uh, there was a conversation from the police officer saying that one of the two, because it was me and my best friend with two teachers, Uh uh, one of the two potentially was positive for HIV. Oh. And uh, at that point, I said, test me, bitch. Now test me. Uh So they needed nothing else. So let me me. me ask this. So were y'all having protected sex, you and the teacher? Uh, I, you know, we real knows. <laughs> we were. I hadn't had penetrative sex okay. up until that point. It was only oral, um, and of course, okay. I'm not sucking no dick protected. <laughs> He's slobbing on a naked knob. <laughs> yes, God. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, you sucking on the teacher's dick on Thanksgiving break? Yeah, and so. Um, long story short, I ended up calling my sister, uh, and I was just like, I got something to tell you. I don't know how to tell you this, but I need you to help me come out to my mama. And um, anyway, we called my mama over, and I was crying, and I told her what was going on, and all my mama was like, you know, you're going to get over this, but I'm going to whoop that motherfucking teacher's ass. And that's how I came out. She thought I was going to get over it, but I did So the teacher did go to jail? No. They just asked him to resign because we didn't officially confess. Mm. Um, and so they gave him a choice to get fired and have charges pressed or just to resign. So was the teacher, one of the teachers HIV positive? We don't know. We knew that, um, at that, at that moment, none of us had tested positive. Right. Yeah. Wow. So that's how it came out. So do you tell this story in either of your books? So I, neither one of my books right now are my life. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both fictional. I am writing a collection of personal essays that 
I'm taking my time on this time. Mm-hmm. I write fiction really, really good because I have a very sorted past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's easy to come up with these funny stories. Tell them the name stories. of your books. Uh, Practice Boy uh, by Ian Haddock and Dope Boy, which is the prequel to uh, Practice Boy. They're both fictional stories about a young man finding his way in his sexuality, much like my nasty-ass coming-out story. Mm. You can get them on Amazon. Let me not forget that, bitch. Uh, you can get them on Amazon, or you can go to normalanomaly.com. Normalanomaly.com. Motherfucking calm. So, wait a minute. So, you said you have this sordid past. Oh, yes, bitch. I have a sordid past. <laughs> so, wait, what? what? G- give me one of the sordid things from your past. So, you know, back when I was a little slimmer, you know, uh, I'm, I'm beefy now, you know. Fluffy. But <laughs> fluffy, you know, if you will. Uh, but I used to prostitute. I enjoyed it, too. I can't even lie to you. I enjoy prostitution. You know what? I think you told me that. I think I remember hearing that story. I did a signing in Houston. I think this is when we first met. Yeah, yeah. And you were telling telling that story about prostituting. Go mm-hmm. ahead and finish. Yeah, I enjoy prostituting. Um, the only thing that I didn't like is the fact that I was putting a price on my body. But prostitution, um, to a person who loves sex, was just like fun for money, you know? Um, the unfortunate part about all of that is you get a lot of STIs prostituting. That's what people don't talk about. So. Sexually transmitted infections. Yeah. For those yeah. of you who don't, who don't know what STIs yeah. is. I got... Um, I was unfortunate, but I was also very fortunate. During my time prostituting, mm-hmm. um, I was... I dealt with a lot of STIs, and and the the good part is, you know, I believe the universe always connects us to exactly what we need, mm-hmm. right? So I tell them that all the time. Yeah, the universe always connects us. So I got seven STIs between the time I started prostituting and the time I stopped in 2012. Um, seven STIs, fortunately, all curable. Um, okay, that's his way of letting you all know that he is not HIV positive. Exactly. I mean, sure. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, and so, but that has connected me to the work that I do in community mm-hmm. as, uh, as it stands, because I understand from a very personal place what it looks like to be going through that with your body mm-hmm. and sex work and trying to seek love and not having connection to family. Um, and I am very proud of the fact that because literally I got my first job in like working with community and public health mm-hmm. because I was going to that clinic to get treated. Right. And they said, if we can save this motherfucking bitch, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. can save the world. Right, right. So I'm out here trying to save the motherfucking world. So, okay, <laughs> so let's go back to the original. Well, no, first let me say this. So how did you get into <laughs> sex work? <laughs> Child, you supposed to ask. What was your first customer like? Oh my gosh. It was this uh it was this Caucasian man. He was about 70 years old. He lived in this really uh, established He was how old? 70 years old. He was 70 years old. As in 7-0. 7-0 years old. Let's just rest on there for a second. <sighs> Go ahead. <laughs> he was 70 years old and, and you were how old? I had to be I was young when I was doing this, maybe like 21, 22. Yeah, okay. about 21, 22. And I went to his house, and I'll never forget, I don't do drugs. It's Did he pay you before you got there? So you have my, you have my gift in an envelope, marked donation, on the side of, like, when I walk in. So this is like that gay movie. 
Like it's a real, it's a. I mean, this is pe- real people lying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And so he asked me to smoke with him. I don't do drugs. It's not that I have anything against people doing drugs, but I just it's not my thing. Right. I drink. This sounds like um, Buckley. Isn't that his name? Who's Buckley? In California. Ed, oh Ed yes. Buckley. Oh yes. He was a white guy, an older guy. What is he? A Congress? Uh, he was. He was. No, he was just Something a political political figure. Yeah. In the Democrat. He had a lot party. of power. He had a lot of power, and he was getting the young gay boys out in California. They're about their destitute. Yeah. And Jamel, what was the boy's last name? Jamel, Wallace. Jamel. Is that I think name? it's Wallace. Jamel Wallace was a boy from New Orleans, and he had moved out there, and he was struggling. And this guy, Ed Buckley. The higher you got, the more turned on he got. get these guys yeah. high. He was injecting them, allegedly. Yeah. Injecting them with drugs and stuff. And then he was, like, wanted to get them naked and stuff. Yeah. So go ahead. So I went to his house, and I don't, I mean, like I said, I don't do drugs. So I'm talking about that not to say anything bad about drugs. Right. But more to speak about the fact that I have no tolerance to drugs. Right. I can drink this straight, but right. I cannot right. deal with drugs. Right. So he asked me to smoke some uh, some weed with him, mm-hmm. and uh, it was out of a bong. And I smoked the weed with him, and I swear when he had opened his legs. Yes, Ed Buck. Yes. Uh, I swear when he had opened his legs, I was like eating his butt. Wait a minute. You what? I was eating his butt. That's what you do. That's what you get paid for. If you're a housekeeper, you clean up shit. If you're a, a, a prostitute, you eat butt of 70-year-old men. 70-year-old men. You got to do what you got to do. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> so you were tossing salad. I was eating the man butt. And I swear he said, you like this little nigga. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So now, were you like completely high where you weren't even aware that that's what you were doing? Well, well, the story goes on. Long story short, I realized it wasn't just weed. That the liquid in the bong was not water, right? Okay. Um, and I found myself, I couldn't drive, so I threw on my clothes. I barely got the little money that I could remember. And I found myself running like five miles home. And I was just like, God, if I can get home and go to sleep, I'll never um, prostitute again. So that was the last time? No, that was that was actually my first experience prostituting, and I did it for three so years. So you said, so you said to God, if you can get me home, I won't ever do this again. And then you went on and did it for three years. For three years, and then I got the last time it was a serious situation. I was raped, and that was why I actually stopped. You got raped? Yeah, this prostitution is no joke. By one person? By one person? Yeah. I did a podcast called Gay Rape. Mm-hmm. I did one, and that's a, it's a real thing, and a lot, and, and not even just in the realm of prostitution. A lot of people aren't aware a lot of people outside of the gay community aren't aware that domestic violence happens in gay relationships and 50% of gay relationships I talked about that the last lot yeah Yeah. and um, rape gay Mm -hmm. rape happens Mm -hmm. so going back to what you were saying about the whole um, he put something in the liquid that was in the bong Again, it reminds me of this whole Ed Buck. Yeah. Because part of the reason why this guy, Ed Buck, has not been prosecuted out there in California is because he is a... White gay man. White gay man, and he donates a lot of money to the Democratic Party. Yeah. To the Democratic Party. And black folks still have issues with gayness. Mm -hmm. So they're not really interested in having him prosecuted. Right. Right. 
And that's the unfortunate part because that that man is a killer to be saying to allegedly say that the higher they get, the more turned on he is. It's really obsessive and crazy and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and he will never be he will never be prosecuted just because of power, right? So right. when we're thinking about the black and gay, that's one of the things that makes me lean towards black because to them you're just a nigga. Right. Um, but I still say, maybe, maybe what I should say, mm-hmm. okay, you just gave me my answer. Mm-hmm. It's not that I identify with black first or gay first. Mm-hmm. I identify with black and gay. Right. Together, Correct. and the reason is because black gay men have been, and I'm not saying this in a sacrilegious way. I'm not denouncing Jesus, God, Christianity, or whatever. But mm-hmm. I am saying, black gay men have saved my fucking life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I owe everything I am to black gay men. Everything I am. My mom's dead. My grandparents are dead. My my sister's dead. Those were my support system mm-hmm. as it relates to my family. So I don't have a whole lot of close family. Mm-hmm. Um, black gay men have stepped up, stepped out, and been everything I, I needed. It's interesting that you say that because I saw a... Um, there was a panel discussion that I watched with some people that I know um, here in Atlanta. It was probably about a year ago. And they were talking about how black gay people, mm-hmm. black gay men and women, mm-hmm. um, have been at the center yes. of every major movement. Every. And there was a gentleman on there that I know. I've known him for years, an older gentleman. His name is Duncan Teague. Mm-hmm. And he said, black people owe everything to black gay people. Absolutely. Because we have saved Mm -hmm. The black community Mm -hmm. in the HIV struggle, in civil rights, even in this shit that you see going on now with Black Lives Matter. Some of you may not know this, but it was started by two lesbians. Absolutely. Black women. And and ran for years by a black gay man. But they don't really talk about that because we know that some black folks have issues with sexuality and and didn't want to shift the focus from the actual movement. And let's go further. We have saved y'all asses in church. There are black gay men, and I'm not talking about the choir directors and the musicians. I'm talking about the black gay men who are the most powerful preachers, teachers, and 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 readers, uh, theologians of of the Bible, right? That are afraid to come out and have to do their thing in secret mm-hmm. because of what the church would make them lose if they came out. They are still saving you while killing themselves. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying a moment ago, I identify as both black and gay. I don't know if I, I don't know if I choose one over the other. Um, I think if I have, if I had to choose one, I would say that I would choose black. But what I will say is, I was called a faggot (laughs) by my own people before anybody white ever called me a nigger. Absolutely. Absolutely. My friend Amir Gibson wrote a good piece. I don't know if it's still on his website, but I'm shouting you out, Amir, so put up your damn website. He wrote a a piece entitled exactly that. I was called a nigger first. Uh, before I was called gay on on cokeandjack.com. I hope it's still up because it's an amazing piece. Right. Yeah. So go back to your story. So you ran home, but then you continued to prostitute for... I continued to prostitute until I really needed... I was uh, I was going through a breakup. So was your mom dead at this point? Uh, no. No, so she you had were, not dead. So, so you weren't doing it because you... 
No, but me and my mom had an, a very estranged relationship okay. uh, for years until she started getting sick, okay. really sick. Okay. My mom uh, had some assorted past herself, as okay. most moms, black moms do or can. Um, but I, um, yeah, we just were not connected at right. all. So I was on my own. And so anyway, it happened until I really needed a job. Mm-hmm. And this man offered me a position. This is how stupid you can be when you're making fast money. Mm -hmm. He offered me a position, but I had to come to um, Lafayette, Louisiana. I couldn't think of the name. Lafayette, Louisiana, to do the paperwork. Mm -hmm. He told me not to come with anybody else. Um, I needed to be by myself. But I brought my then boyfriend. And my boyfriend sat outside while I was supposed to sign the papers in this motel. Mm -hmm. How stupid you can be. Mm-hmm. He went and got me some gin and some cigarettes, and I smoked in the room, and I drank the gin, and he asked me, was I gay? And I said, I am gay. And he said, you don't need to tell anybody that because you're going to be working in a warehouse. I was supposed to work in a Nabisco warehouse, child. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, long story short, uh, I passed out, and I woke up with him, like, on top of me. Um, and where was the boyfriend? Still sitting in the car? Still sitting in the car. Because I couldn't have anybody with me. I was trying to get a job. At that point, the money that they were offering me, I had never made consistently in my life. So do you know how much time had elapsed? Oh, no. It was, it was not like a whole, whole lot oh. of time. Like, it was, we probably got there at like three. And this was maybe, I mean, it was too much time to be sitting outside, but it was like 7, 7.30. He sat in the car for four hours and because, never thought to come knock on the door? Because the thing is, it wasn't, he thought I was finally getting my break. For four hours? Okay, so I'm going to tell you how much it was. I'm embarrassed to say because this is embarrassing now that I'm 30. And, I mean, this would be embarrassing. But this bitch was, they was supposed to give me $16 an hour. I thought I was making some money, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so you were trying to get your, I was okay. trying to get my so he didn't, he didn't come in to, to knock on the door to see what happened. So you wake up. And this man is on top of you. This man is on top of me. Penetrating you? No, 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 no. He's just on top of me like, you know. Grinding. Grinding. And he's older. Most of my clients were older. And um, long story short, long story short, we went through it. He ended up saying that, you know, I'll pay you up front in terms of, like, give you a check so you can get clothes. As long as you don't say nothing. The check didn't go through. And I went home, and it was the worst. He actually sent the video to my mama, no lie. He recorded it. And I called the police, and the police said that there's nothing you could do because it looked like it was consensual once you accepted the check. I have a really sorted past. It's weird. So how long was that after the 70-year-old man? Um... So I stopped prostituting in 2011. But how much time? So like maybe three years. Maybe so three they years. happened three years apart. Yeah. And then I said, no, this is. I mean, even talking about it right now, it's like bitches ain't gonna believe that kind of shit. That's why the police didn't believe the motherfucking shit. But it was a real experience. And so I'm trying to figure <laughs> out why you haven't written a memoir. I am on my way, bitch. I'm on my way. I just told you. It's going to be a collection of personal essays. Now, fuck the personal <laughs> essays, bitch. You need to write, today I was born. Right. <laughs> and this is what happened. Yeah, you know, it's been I hard. mean, personal essays are cute, but we need to be able to read. Read, okay. I'm with you. The story. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is the dumb daughter of... 
black LGBT. He wants me to say black gay. I say black LGBT. That's right. Uh, this bitch is the done daughter. So when <laughs> when daddy and I don't call anybody daddy, okay, as a gay man. <laughs> but when daddy say write a motherfucking memoir, you start writing a memoir. You really should. <laughs> and, and I think that what you and so for all of you that message me all of the time saying I don't know where to get started, you're in my inbox right now. The way that you and I know you know because you've written a book, yeah. but. I don't know if you know how to start with yeah. a memoir. Outline the stories. You need to write down the stories that are important. Yeah. The story with the 70-year-old man needs to be in there. <laughs> the story with this man with this yeah. job, that yeah. needs to be in there. And then, you know, whatever. I think the story you told me in Houston when I first met you about the abusive relationship. Yeah. That, so then you need to go ahead and start outlining. And what you do is you fill in the gaps. You tell the stories that lead up to that. Yeah. And then you tell the stories that happen behind that. Oh, and I then, read your books. <laughs> I know how to, I, I've read enough. <laughs> and, and the key is here's the key. The key is you only include in the book the things that are going to be interesting to the reader. Yeah. Oftentimes, as a writer, you want to be able to tell every single thing because you think that every bit of your life is interesting. Well, it's, it's not. not. So you need to be able to... The art of editing, self-editing, is to be able to separate what's important to you from what's going to be interesting to the reader. Yeah. And then that's the stuff that you leave in there, and then you just write it. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what you do. So, hey, hold on. Do y'all do y'all know how much he charges for this kind of stuff? You girls getting this for free. Anyway. <laughs> Side note. Go ahead, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I love Craig. No, but this it's a it's a it's a good practice to start um to start writing that. And the importance, even if you aren't a writer, mm -hmm. to have some type of self-care yeah. that gives you that therapy, that release. that release. And I say to them all the time, right? Write your notes down. Just write, even if you just journal. Yeah. Even if you have no intention of putting out a book, just journal, just to release it and get it off your chest, get it off your heart, and then to see it on paper. Yeah. Even if it's creating a vision board. Yeah. I have a vision board. Like when you walk into my closet, like my bedroom closet, it's right there up on that wall. Yeah. It's not complete, but yeah. No, it's I'm with there. you. I'm with you. No. And even if it's like I have journals from like years past that mm -hmm. I read and I say damn like I'm so proud to have been here mm -hmm. um, but also to be here in this space but what's so powerful about it because I have as I said a very sorted past mm -hmm. what's powerful is everything that I went through has prepared me for here. It, it, and that's what I say to them all the time. Like, whatever it is that you're going through, yeah. whether you're in an abusive relationship, whether you're struggling financially right now, yeah. whether your parent just passed away or one of your children just died, your sibling just died, whatever, it is designed to grow you. It's designed to teach you something. And it won't be until a little down the line yeah, yeah you won't be able to see that it that you'll look back and say oh it makes sense doesn't mean that it will be less painful yeah especially in the case of death yeah. but it's it's all excuse me it's all designed to teach you something and a lot of times people get lost in the pain of whatever it is that's going on that they don't even see the lessons they can't even and so you get stuck in that space because you're so busy pining over the why is it happening to me instead of focusing on what is it that what is this designed to teach me? Do you think that black LGBTQ people um, feel forced to choose 
get their gayness first or their blackness first? I don't think that we are forced. I think that we um, we are. I don't think that we are forced by society. Mm-hmm. I think that we are forced it, internally. Right? Do we? Right? Do, that's what I mean. Do, uh, do yeah. you feel like there's a pressure? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, the thing is, all of your intersections matter, mm-hmm. right? Like, like. Just because a heterosexual black woman doesn't walk into spaces and say, I'm cisgender, I'm a single mother, I am an educated, uh, a formerly educated black woman, does not mean that she does not walk in with her intersections. When you see a woman that's walking in with a big old afro and a dashiki, walking with some, you know, some Giuseppe's on, Mm -hmm. showing her money, she is showing every intersection that she lives in, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way, I can walk in as a black, gay, HIV negative, fat, fluffy man. You know what I'm saying? I can walk in in all of my intersections. Uh And they all matter. They do. They all matter. Now let me ask you this. Because I've I've been wanting to ask somebody this. And see, I think think you're a really, really great thinker. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think overall that black, gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans people feel Included in the black community as a whole. So, and the reason why I ask you that mm-hmm. before you answer mm-hmm. is because, you know, we hear this this chant all of the time: "Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter." But there are many instances where many black trans women have been killed. Absolutely. There have been gay people that have been killed. Absolutely. Little gay boys, really effeminate gay boys that have been killed. And there isn't really a lot of conversation outside of the black gay community or the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. So there's always there's this feeling of contradiction. So it's like you say that black lives matter, but they don't matter if they're black and gay. Mm-hmm. I was just having a conversation similar to this, and I'm hopefully going to make this make sense really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with a group of black gay men today about the criminalization of HIV. And so explain that to the people. Okay, criminalization of HIV. That means that if you are HIV positive and you have sex without disclosing your status, even a, if you use condoms, even if you use condoms in a lot of states, you are you um, can go a to weapon. Jail. You yeah. can go to wep- You can go to jail because your body is a weapon, right? Um, and you can get prosecuted, and a lot of people do go to jail, right? Um, and so, I. I was I was talking to a black gay man and we were asking whose whose uh, side are you on? Should they disclose? Shouldn't they disclose? And the conversation was around, um, you know, you need to disclose because you'll go to jail. You need to disclose because you go to jail. And I said, oh my gosh, the same rhetoric that we've heard, right? Mm-hmm. This politicized conversation around your brother's body mm-hmm. is now being pushed by you, right? I can get a white man saying that this black body should be criminalized Mm -hmm. for something that it did that was natural, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I can get that. What I cannot get, right, is black gay men sitting here having the same conversations, saying that your your brother deserves to go to jail because he, because you decide you want to fuck him raw. You know what I'm saying? And, and because you didn't do your due diligence say, hey, have you been tested? Exactly. Let's, let's go and get tested exactly. together. Exactly. Because my my thinking of it is, and I'm speaking from a space of a person that's HIV negative as well. Right. But my thinking is, if you're going to 
arrest or lock up people that are HIV positive for not disclosing their status, <laughs> then you need to get all of the bitches with gonorrhea. Right. You need to get all of the bitches with herpes. Right. All of them need to be right. right. But the but the issue is in terms of do black gay lives matter, black get back black queer lives mm-hmm. matter, and black lives matter. It's the same rhetoric, right? We have we have become so oppressed that we are not trying to become unoppressed. We are trying to become the oppressor, right? And that's my issue, right? Right. These these fuckers don't want freedom. They just want to lock other hoes up. I need some more tequila, but we're not gonna stop the lie from my. No, tequila, we can get bitch. some more tequila. Okay. Keep talking. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just saying. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make this ugly, uh, uncomfortable. But like, if we really want freedom, we gotta fight for our fucking freedom. Right. You know. So, what do you think are some of the major issues right now facing? Let's just start with black gay men. Uh, one of the main issues is really um, elitism, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, I have I have grown to a space. I don't say this often because I don't want to seem like a victim because I don't have a victim mentality. Right. But I don't have formal education. Okay. All of my work has been experience, right? So I have, I have such a privilege and such... A gratefulness and so much grace and mercy uh, from the universe and God to be able to do the work that I do without having uh, letters behind my name, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have, in my own way, broken the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of what um, of what successful in terms of the work I do looks like, right? right? Um, but there are a lot of people that do really wonderful work, have really great potential, but they will never have the access mm-hmm. to. It's a lot of people that could never come to Craig Stewart's house and sit on their live, period, for good reason, for good reason. But I'm saying in other ways, there are people that are as brilliant as I am, mm-hmm. that are as great mentees as I am, mm-hmm. that will never have access, not because you won't let them, mm-hmm. but because they can't know you. And I don't like that. What, what do you mean because they can't know me? Expl- expound on that. <laughs> they, they will never come to... I met him, I met him at a, a symposium. I was, uh, I was an author, but I was in the audience supporting the symposium. Uh-huh. I had the courage in that space to... to to speak up before you knew I was an author and you were intrigued, Uh right? Uh There are many people that won't be in those spaces that need the mentorship of people like you, right? Mm -hmm. That need the access to people like you, but they won't because there's an elitism structure even in the black gay world as there is in the black world. Because I am speaking at Morehouse with no degree. I do want to give myself a little kudos on that bitch. (laughs) But I say that that in the most humble way because I'm saying that there's a lot of people with the brilliance that I have Mm -hmm. that will never have that access. So why do you think there is this divide or this division? Because we don't want freedom, we want to be oppressors. We want to be in so control. So you're saying bitch. even within the gay community, yes, there's this desire to be oppressors. Yes, these bitches want to be in control, sis. <laughs> uh, somebody said yeah because I send them to the PO box. <laughs> I, I just, that's for protection, but he did just tell me that. I just told I just told him that. But listen, that that's a really that's a really good point. And, and one of the things that I've noticed over the years, even from like when I first came out, and you know I had elders, so to speak, like when I was twenty two, and these guys were in their thirties. I remember 
um, feeling like there weren't any examples of black gay relationships in the community. I didn't see any visible ones. Right. Because it's almost like when black men partner, Mm-hmm. They leave the scene. Mm-hmm. You don't see them. They mm-hmm. start to have these private parties, yep. and you just don't see them. And so the the kids coming behind that generation, they don't know if it's possible. They don't because we still don't see it in media nope. the way that we need to see it. Because whenever you see a television show where there's a black gay person, he's with a white he's man. partnered with a white guy or a Hispanic yeah. guy. And see, I wasn't doing live videos during this time, but when, when Empire first came on, <laughs> one of my biggest issues with that show was, now how are you going to have this black ass show? Right. And the one black guy on there that's gay, he got a, 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 a Hispanic boyfriend. And no issues against the Hispanic community. Yeah. But what I'm saying is we need a demonstration. And I want you to be clear. I want you to be clear that when it comes to disparities, especially health disparities related to black gay men, black gay men, and I'm about to tie this together. because you, you just gave me a sickening point. The reason why we need representation for black-on-black gay men in media Mm -hmm. is because when it comes to health disparities, the reason why our risk is so high has nothing to do with the type of risks we have. What you're going to say. It has everything to do with community viral load, right? Which means that our community has a high um, prevalence of HIV, right? And so we have sex with our community. Black men have sex with black men. Let me make it plain for the people. Yeah, do it for me. Let me make it it plain for the people, because somebody in the back is a little lost. They're looking for their seat. Right, 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 right. What he's saying is black gay men have a very high HIV infection rate, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not because we're having any more risky sex than white gay men, Mm because they just as nasty and freaky. Nastier. (laughs) He said it. By stats. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're having just as much sex and, and unprotected sex as we are. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, the difference is, we have sex, black gay men have sex with each other. Yeah. We, we love other black men. Yeah. We have sex with other black men. Yes. We're not dating outside of our race, yes. generally speaking. Yes. White gay men, so they're dating in different pools. They're having yeah. sex in different pools. We're dipping into the same pool. And so since the HIV infection rate is high, we're having sex with other. So the, the propensity or the chances of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so not seeing that and always seeing, I love my Latin. Most of my exes mm-hmm. have been Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my fuck buddies have been black, but most of my, most of my exes have been Latin. So you just using us for say? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that most of my exes are Latin. Afro, oh, okay. Afro, Latino. Clean it up. Right, right. <laughs> most of, but, but I'm saying like, I have nothing against that. I'm just saying that. For one, it doesn't set a good standard. Two, it's not realistic. Okay. We all not fucking no motherfucking uh, other race. We are generally fucking each other. That's right. Because we love having sex with other black men. Yeah, listen, listen. If, and they love having sex with us. Oh, do they. I enjoy it. <laughs> I wanted to bring up another point because I saw somebody say something about and because we're not on prep. Um, I want to kind of talk a little... What? I am a seasonal prep user. Seasonal? Yes, yes. I'm giving you some new new language. 
I'm, ta- I'm giving you some new language. Let me explain, because I know we have a lot of women on here and people that are not within the gay community mm-hmm. or LGBTQ community. You want to explain prep or you want me to explain? You can explain it. You're the guest. Go ahead. Okay. It's so, Truvada. Go Yes. Ahead. So prep stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's basically like a birth control for HIV, right? You take the pill um, once a day. Depending on what type of sex you're having, it has a different time period in which it's the most effective. Um, but if you take the pill every day, you have generally between a 92 and a 96% um, rate of prevention from HIV. If you're exposed to the virus. Exactly. Now, PrEP is an HIV drug called Truvada. Yes. Okay. Um, so, again, as he said, it's a pill that only HIV negative people can use. Yes. You have to be HIV negative. Mm-hmm. I'm different. I don't trust it. And I'm going to explain to you why. Okay. And look, I, you know Dr. David Malbranch? Oh, I do. He was supposed to present. Where is you, David? Doctor. De- Dr. David Malbranch was on my um, podcast uh, some time ago. I did a podcast. I did one with him and another gentleman. The gentleman that was on the podcast wanted to remain anonymous, and he said that he would never date someone HIV positive again. He had done it before. In fact, he was married to a guy that was HIV positive. But he said on this particular podcast, after you've been in a relationship with someone and you've experienced a broken condom, you just don't want... He, he just didn't want to take the, the, the chance any longer. A is what he said. The reason why I wanted him on the podcast, because again, as a person that's HIV negative, I have sat in spaces where people have been made to feel when they say, I don't want to date somebody HIV positive, they've been made to feel, oh, you're ignorant. Yeah. You just don't know enough about the virus. And yeah. da, da, da. As a person that's dated three people mm-hmm. that are HIV positive, it is no easy decision. I don't give a damn what medication they have out there. And I'm gonna explain to you. Now, let me come on around. To okay, you. come around. Let, let, come let on. me let me let okay. me let me come on around. around to me. And 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 the other part of it is that he said on the podcast was he wants the luxury of having unprotected sex in a long-term committed relationship. And if he's in a relationship with someone that's HIV positive, that option is removed. Now, before you say it, and I know before you think it or before you type it, I know that there are people who will say. But when you're HIV negative and you're undetectable, (laughs) you can't pass the virus. And I know there are people that are thinking, and if you're on PrEP, you can't get it. But here's what I'm going to tell all of y'all. I have a friend Mm -hmm. who is HIV positive. He has been undetectable. And for those of you who don't know, undetectable just means there's a very small amount of the virus in your bloodstream. Right. He's been undetectable for many, many years. Probably 10. Okay. His mom died. Mm -hmm. He took on a new job. I'm not going to tell you what his job is, but he took on a new job. Well, he talks about his status, but that's not important. He took on a new job, and it was a very stressful time for him. And now he is detectable again. Absolutely. And so to the the people who say, well, if if you're with someone that's undetectable and you're on PrEP, you should be fine. But my thing is, all I kept thinking was, what if I was in a relationship with somebody or having a sexual relationship with somebody who was undetectable? And we're not having sex with condoms. And yeah, I'm on PrEP, right? This is just a hypothetic. Mm -hmm. If he's now detectable, what? I'm now at risk. So this is so this is my response. Help me. This is my response. Two things. Number one, um, I would offer you 
to be responsible for your body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if being responsible to your body is not dating someone HIV positive, I don't agree with it, but I can accept that, right? As long as it is um, communicated in a way that is not demeaning, right? Right, right. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is... Although you are fine, you are the, one of the most attractive older guys I've ever met, you are in a different generation than I, uh, right? Uh, in my generation... He tried it with that old <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. In my generation, and the generation after me, because I'm aging out of the young generation, uh-huh. too. In my generation, we are not having sex to be in a relationship. C- Right? Help the people. We're not having sex to be in a relationship. And so it looks really different. Many are having sex for recreation. And yeah, life. yeah. So we, it's, it looks really different. So when you're speaking of wanting a monogamous relationship in which you can have unprotected sex and you don't want to date an HIV positive person, I get it. But with your platform, you have the old and the young. What I don't want to come across your platform, and no, I'm not going off on my mentor. I love him down. But I do have to say this. Go ahead, go <laughs> what ahead. I, what I don't want is for the people that are young to hear this Uh and not be focused on getting yourself healthy if you're undetectable and or the possibility of prep and I say possibility of prep Mm -hmm. for two reasons because this is what we must understand about prep right Mm -hmm. it only protects us let me write down my notes (laughs) (laughs) it only protects us from HIV but I want us to be really clear right it doesn't protect you from syphilis and anything else but let me tell you something if you are not being responsible with your body, what you are really saying is, I'm going to fuck raw if, right? Wouldn't it be powerful if one of those ifs were taken out? Because if is a small word with a big meaning. If you, if the person is not HIV positive, then I will fuck raw. Mm-hmm. Why not take that out and pop a pill? Okay, so here's to your point. Now, I wasn't saying that about... I was giving <laughs> I was you, I was yeah. giving you yeah. like, the guy on the podcast said. Mm-hmm. But, but somebody asked a question in here. No, my friend that's HIV positive that was undetectable became detectable oh, okay. Okay. because okay. I didn't of the part. stress. The yeah. stress of losing his mom, the stress of this new position that he, he has. And so, you know, stress is... you. I mean, HIV is aggravated by stress. Yes. And so that's the thing that I've learned. If you read my first book, I personally believe that's what killed Salim. Okay. The stress. Because he never really... He never really forgave himself for becoming HIV positive. Because I know know a person who is morbidly obese, Uh drinks at least twice a week. Uh I mean, and I don't mean like... I'm getting tipsy, but this bitch goes, right? right? Um, who, I mean, doesn't eat anything healthy, uh-huh. but his health is fine, and he's been HIV positive since he was 18 years old. He is 40, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I will say your name because I know you're open about your status, but I'm not going to say it. Right. You know, I love you. Um, but, I, and I say to him all the time, you know, it's so powerful because I, what I really understand is, you consistently work on loving your life. Mm-hmm. You're consistently at therapy. Mm-hmm. You're consistently around people who make you feel loved. You're consistently getting your education on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's not a death sentence, but if you if you don't deal with... See, it's the only fucked up part. And let me tell you something about uh, HIV that I think is so fucked up. Because the thing is, as, as black gay men, if you don't have HIV, mm-hmm. you know that you live in a world that's, that has so many intersections of you not accepted. Mm -hmm. When you're HIV positive, not only are you not accepted, but being 
unaccepted affects your health. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so you're fucked. Right. But we as people, both black and queer, we don't we don't do what we need to do so that they don't have the burden. The burden, it is a burden. Do you know how it must feel to come into a space and to find someone attractive and to find that this relationship may work and then have to disclose, disclose every single time mm-hmm. and get turned down? It don't matter. I know bitches with doctorates. I know bitches who are in the top 1%. I know bitches with houses and cars that are HIV positive that are scared to disclose because none of that fucking matters. None of it matters. And, and let me just clarify because I saw somebody ask a question. Again, I just want to massage this point because I want you to be clear. My friend who was undetectable became detectable because of the stress of yes. his mom dying and a new job. Yes, he can become undetectable again. Yes. The point that I'm making is... Stress. We have to be careful with... I know that, you know, the information that's out there now is if a person is HIV positive, but they're (laughs) undetectable, they cannot pass the virus. What I'm saying is if a negative person is taking that information as it is, and I'm having sex with someone HIV positive because he's undetectable... I can become positive because I don't know at what point he can become detectable. That's again. a very important. That's a very important part. But what I also want to flip that to is if we can keep him undetectable. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> if we can keep him undetectable, right. then we don't have to worry about that. One, two. If I want to, can we can we get into the psychology of wanting to fuck raw? Well, first of all, there, there is no psychology to want to fuck raw. It feels bad. It's natural. And it's natural. It's natural. Yeah. So that's my point. So if it's a natural phenomenon, right, can we talk about that? Because the reality is, the reality is the same way they got it is the same way, the same way you're scared to get it. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It's because you want to fuck raw. Now, I understand. So, so, so where I have some empathy is because you are talking about from a monogamous standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And the guy that said that... Within a monogamous. He was an older guy. Yeah. Like the point you were making earlier, young folks aren't necessarily having sex no. for the purpose of partnering. This is a, an older guy. He's older than I am. Yeah. So he's, he's in the generation before me. So that was why it made sense to me when he said, mm-hmm. in a long-term committed relationship, I want the option yeah. of having unprotected sex. Yeah. Um, but go ahead. Were you making a point? No, no, no. I was just saying, I was just saying, I am 30. I probably, in the past, now I generally am in monogamous, not necessarily relationships, but sexual situationships, right? Sexual relationships. <laughs> As a 30-year-old man, I have probably used a condom maybe twice in the last year. How many times have you been having sex? Uh, it's been real dry the last four months. But prior to that, probably, I'd probably say it's been slow this year, maybe 150, 100 times some 100 150 times you've had sex 150 times and this year no 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 i was thinking in the last 12 months in the oh. since 2018 started wait a minute even in the last 12 months 150 times yes with, boots with wait 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 how many different people no um no 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 i've slowed down a lot probably seven okay so seven different people in the past year mm-hmm. and you used the condom twice twice yes I'm a seasonal prep user. So you so you jump on prep 
when it's time to get foggy. But let's explain to the people. You have to load up, right? Yes. So, like um, birth control. Yeah. You have to get on it for seven days before you. Seven days if you are the uh, penetrative partner, right? Oh, Twenty. Man, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, so. And and I and I hope I'm saying the truth. If not, I will comment Trust later. Trust me, they will get yeah. in here and they'll yeah. get you together. I'll, I'll comment later if it's not. But it's seven days for the, the penetrative person party, right? The top. Yeah. Uh, it's 21 days for the, for the anal. Oh. And then it's 28 days, if I remember, for vaginal. So if it's a man having sex with a woman. Yes. Yes. I didn't know they had all those parameters. Now, mm-hmm. let me tell you my concern with PrEP, because I am still I still have issues with PrEP. Uh-huh. And again, I do recognize that there is a need for something. Mm-hmm. Because going back to what we just said a moment ago, it's natural to have sex with without a condom. And you live in Atlanta, sir. We're going to come back to that, because y'all going to start trying to get Atlanta together. Let, 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 let me come back to I gotta get my notes. Okay. Now, here's my issue with here's my issue with prep. My concern, I should say, with prep. First of all, it's too. It's still very new. Yes. It's only about, about five, seven years old. 2012. So six, six years yeah, old. Yeah. So it's six years old. I don't feel like I know they've done testing and blah blah blah, but we haven't had people on prep long enough. long enough to know what the long-term effects are. So while I understand it's important to have some sort of tool to prevent uh, infection, but what's the long-term effect? My long-term concern, wait a minute. Okay. My concern is, okay, bitch, I get on prep, <laughs> and, then on I, and then in five years, a bitch going to be on dialysis. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, I'm not trying to lose my kidney. No. I'm not trying. Listen, so is that the lesser of the two evil? Like, I don't want to be like, okay, bitch, I'm going to get on this prep, and then... In six years, it's like okay, well, bitch, we got to hook you up to. So, work. so, so there isn't a lot of work done that done for that. As and then I know. think about the Tuskegee experiment. No, no, no. no. See, when I'm that shit you. first came out, they had black men. Up Medical that mistrust shit. is real, and and providers. Dr. David Melbranch, he he does a series on YouTube about mm-hmm. medical mistrust. Well, Greater Than AIDS in conjunction with him mm-hmm. does a lot of Ask the HIV Doc. But I, I say this to say. We don't know what prep looks like, but you mentioned this point earlier. You said something about Truvada, uh-huh. right, being a prescription for HIV-positive folk, but prep being for HIV-negative folk, right? Yeah. What we do know is that there have—I just told you about somebody that has been positive for 22 years yeah. that is not on dialysis. Yeah. Well, but he ain't, well, he ain't on— He on HIV medication, sis. He's on medication? <laughs> yeah. He yeah he ain't med- he been on medication for twenty two years. He ain't on dialysis. Well, look, the, the, the normal side effects for prep is is, is sometimes it depends on people yeah. different people. But diarrhea, I, I had that. It, oh, it was a rough bout too, bitch. It was a rough. I bout. hope you weren't trying to get stabbed because if you got no diarrhea, no no be 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 very be very clear. We got pure for that, but I don't like to get stabbed very often. I mean, I'm not opposed to being stabbed, but okay, I okay. So don't be on here bottom shaming. Oh no 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 no! I like no. Look, this this hole is like a club. Not that everybody can get in, but if it's after ten, you might get lucky. <laughs> it's let's, ten to get in, bitch. Let's, 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 let, me, let me say this. Let me, let, let me say this. So some of the common side effects for for prep. It's um, diarrhea, yeah. depression, mm-hmm. 
Um, I think Nightmares. No, not Nightmares. Not nightmares. Four Truvada. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there something else I'm forgetting other than depression and diarrhea? Uh, That's enough, bitch. You die. Sometimes. You're depressed <laughs> and you on the toilet. Abdominal cramps. A little bit, but that's one in ten people. I also want to be real clear. Bitch, it'd be my luck. I'd be that one person. I was that one person, no mm-hmm. shame. But I'll tell you this: if you look at the side effects of Advil, oh, they'd be cussing me out. Bitch, why I ain't get my motherfucking book? Bitch, I was in the house all day with diarrhea. Bitch, I just started praying. No, no, no. If you look at the side effects of Advil, they're worse. That's it. Well, who taking Advil every day? Bitch, ain't nobody taking Advil every day. Bitch, but, you got to take prep every day. But if you, no, no, no. I'm saying one dosage of Advil has worse side effects. Pure. Okay, listen. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> I got an early morning. You got an early morning. We'll pray about it. Okay. okay. Well, how long are you here? I'm here to I'm here to Sunday, so we're doing it. All right, so, so come back and do it again. So we'll pick this conversation up. Whatever day you can come back. Oh, side note. I love I love my boss, Daddy. No, I'm playing. But I have a podcast, too. It's yep. called Dick and the Box. D-C-K-N-D-A-B-O-X. Dick and the Box is with a couple of different hosts. It's really me being me. It's all of this. Um, I would love if you subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Play. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Ah! I always love talking to you. Yes, yes. I always love talking to you. This podcast was sponsored by Words Never Spoken, a memoir. One thing for certain, two things for sure, a memoir continued. And so much to say, a book of quotes. All of my books are available right now on Amazon, all e-readers. And the first two books are available on audible.com. Thank you for supporting my gift. Thank you for supporting my dream. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be safe. Keep loving yourself.